Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. It's the sound you've waited months to hear. It's caused some of your greatest triumphs. about the South Carolina Gamecocks, that definitely makes you feel like you are in Williams-Brice Stadium right there. That is a very, very lit crowd, but their head coach is Shane Beamer. He was named their 36th head coach on December 6th of 2020, and in his first two seasons, he has defeated three coaches who have won national championships, whether you talk about Jimbo Fisher, Dabo Sweeney, or Mac Brown. Now, he had a successful first season in Columbia. He improved the Gamecocks by three and a half games from a two and eight mark in 2020 to a seven and six campaign in 2021, including a convincing win over North Carolina and the Duke's Mayo Bowl. He tied the school record for wins by a first-year head coach. He doubled the preseason's expected win total and surpassed the win total of the previous two seasons combined, earning him a share of the Steve Spurrier first-year Coach of the Year award. And in 2022, the team again exceeded expectations by recording eight wins, including three wins over ranked opponents. They won eight games for just the 15th time in 129 seasons and for the first time since 2017. They were ranked 23rd in the country in the final AP and USA Today coaches poll. Marked the first time since 2013 that the Gamecocks finished the season ranked in the top 25 and the 10th time Carolina has finished the season ranked in the final AP poll. They took out number five Tennessee and number seven Clemson in the final two games of the regular season. The first time Carolina has posted back-to-back wins over top 10 teams in the seventh time in history that a school has defeated AP top 10 opponents in consecutive weeks as an unranked team. First time since 2003. And with the 15 and 11 mark, Beamer has matched Joe Morrison, Steve Spurrier, and Will Muschamp for the most wins by a head football coach in his first two seasons at Carolina. So just looking at the Gamecocks and recent success, what do you see going down in Columbia, Walker Mayo? That you got to be happy with what Shane Beamer has been able to do in Columbia. And man, it really came about at the end of last season. The fact that you're able to end on a high note with the way that Spencer Rattler played, because I think for the most part, it was disappointing up until those last couple of games. And if he didn't have those outings against Tennessee, against Clemson, then you might not even want Spencer Rattler back. 
but it's a very much what have you done for me lately type of society. And what he did was he won a couple of games against monster SEC opponents, including your biggest rival that you have. And so the fact that he was able to play his best games at the end of the season, go for as much yardage as he did, throw some dimes, especially against Tennessee, especially against Tennessee, Spencer was very good. You go from seven and six to eight and five to now you feel like you're in a pretty good spot if you're a South Carolina fan. So I think right now you got to be pleased with Shane Beamer. How about a 19th final ranking at the end of last season? So you finish within the top 25 yeah, man, I think you have to be feeling good. And now you're just hoping that Spencer can do what he did the last two games or anything close to that. You're hoping that he can do that more consistently and give you some really productive performances in the first month, second month, and so on, and not wait until the grand finale. Yeah, I think this is a program that they definitely want to get back to where they were uh, at points during the Steve Spurrier area where Coach Spare, uh, Steve Spurrier era where he had three straight 11 win seasons down there in Columbia and was a real uh, SEC contender down in those parts, even though they had a hard time getting to the SEC championship game. But I think they'll take 11 wins any way that they can get them. Uh, I thought it was a very lackluster hire when they brought in Will Muschamp as the head coach. I never uh, was a big fan of that hire at all, even though he did take them to three bowl games and he did have a nine and four season in 2017. But I feel like Shane Beamer is a guy we know the lineage, his father, Frank, as far as what he did at Virginia Tech, program builder. I think I see a lot of that in Shane Beamer as well. When you look at the recruiting that he's been able to do as of late, he's getting some big time prospects down there to Columbia. I think the direction that this program is going, and I think all around, he's just a very likable guy. When you hear his Mm -hmm. post-game interviews and you hear uh, the demeanor that he has, he strikes me as a guy that really cares about his kids and he's really trying to build this thing the right way. And I think it was very huge uh, for them as far as momentum for them to end the season the way that they did. Nobody saw that drubbing that they put on Tennessee at home coming. I mean, they really put it on them. And then for them to go into Death Valley and to get a win uh, to end their regular season. I thought those were big-time statement games from him. And I think South Carolina is a program that's on the rise under Shane Beamer. Well, it's funny to see what South Carolina did at QB and to see what Clemson did at QB last year because I've often referred to DJU not even having over 250 yards in a passing uh, passing in a game except for Wake Forest. That was the only time that he went above that mark where you even go to Spencer Rattler. He had 377 yards against Arkansas, second game of the season. But it would be until Tennessee, November 19th. So that second game of the season, September 10th against Arkansas, he throws for 370. Here are his other passing yard totals. 118 versus Georgia, 187, 212, 177, 168, 171, 200 on the mark, 145. I mean, Wes, up until Tennessee, he didn't even throw for 215 passing yards again for what was not basically the rest of the college football season until, bang, you go off for 438 against the fifth-ranked Tennessee Vols? 438? And then 360 on the road against Clemson. I mean, what a massive turnaround. You even throw for 246 against Notre Dame, which was more than what he was doing outside of Arkansas. I think that's what you're hoping for, right? If you're South Carolina, you're hoping, okay, that was the guy that was the Heisman hopeful at Oklahoma. It didn't work out the second year when Caleb Williams takes the job. 
Then he transfers to South Carolina, really wasn't working out for a large portion of this season until the very end. The big-time opponents came up, and you beat them. You won 63-38, you 31-30 against those opponents. That, that's what you're hoping for, that Rattler can give you something a little more consistent, and he can be that guy that performed from November 19th on. Yeah, and this is a program, especially with their location, they have a lot of access uh, to recruits. And when you look at their 2023 signing class, according to 247, they were 16th in the country, brought in 11 four-stars, and also uh, brought in a five-star recruit in Nick Harbor, who a lot of people are very, very high on this young man. 6'5", 225, running that 100-meter dash out there in the low 10. So this is a tremendous athlete and a tremendous gift from them. And uh, I think they're, you know, really starting to get the requisite talent to put them up in the upper echelon of the SEC. And so when you look at especially them having the benefit of being in the East, I get Georgia is over there. Tennessee is on the rise as well. But this is a uh, division that – they can make some hay in there, I think, if they can get the requisite recruits, especially quarterback. That's always been the big conundrum with yeah. the Gamecocks is that they can get pretty much everything else that they need. They seem to always have a solid defense. They have good skill players, but they can't ever really seem to find that big-time quarterback. We'll see if Spencer Rattler indeed is the guy for them. But uh, And as far as just him continuing the success that he had, especially late in the year when he was able to get some of those big wins. But I like the direction that Beamer's going. Uh, I think he has a chance because when you talk about his dad and what he was able to do in Blacksburg, not sure that he would be in Columbia as long as his dad was in Blacksburg. But I think that he could definitely uh, build this program and get them up into the conversation in the SEC even though Clemson has made it tough for them, but I still think that uh, he's doing a great job, and I think he'll get as many recruits as he's losing based on what we're seeing so far. Well, they hit the ground running, too. I mean, they started with Georgia State last year. They start with North Carolina on Saturday with a 7.30 kick on ABC here in the city of Charlotte. So against North Carolina this time, you could hit the ground running. Shane Beamer actually talked about this on the Kyle Bailey Show discussing how big it is for college game day to start the year at the Duke's Mayo Bowl because of this matchup that the Gamecocks have with the Heels. Yeah, it's huge. Um, you know, when when this game was announced, and, or excuse me, when you knew you were playing this game uh, and you start looking at the schedule around college football week one and who's playing on Saturday, I, I thought there was honestly a decent chance that they would come. And then, uh, you know, as you talk to different people with ESPN over the last couple months, you know it's on their radar uh, as a possibility, and then to find out definitively this week was great news. Um, it's a great testament, obviously, uh, to Coach Brown and Drake May and, and uh, the Tar Heels and the team they have and the excitement that there is about their program and their team in the 2023 season, but then also ours as well. Uh, it's a great opportunity for both programs. It's a great uh, opportunity for the city of Charlotte and Danny Morrison and everything that he does from an athletics or a sports standpoint there in, in, in town. So it, it's exciting. Uh, it's a great way to kick off the year. All eyes of college football will be you know, on, on Charlotte and on the Gamecocks and Tar Heels that day. And as you said at the beginning, I mean, uh, we've got a bunch of Gamecocks uh, there in the Charlotte area, and we need to uh, we need to make sure there's uh, all kinds of garnet and black uh, throughout Bank of America Stadium on Saturday night. 
Yeah, uh, I think it's going to be a tremendous game, and I think it's always important uh, for South Carolina anytime they can go into another state just to further the profile. I mean, especially when you talk about them coming into North Carolina as fertile as North Carolina's been from a recruiting standpoint, so I'm sure uh, they're excited about anytime they get a chance to uh, especially get into the Tar Heel State to get in front of those recruits. No doubt. I, I think the fact that you have a matchup between both of these programs that are in somewhat similar spots right now, I mean, yeah, you just want to let, make that next step. For South Carolina, can you get the QB play where it's with North Carolina? I guess that's an opposite angle, but North Carolina has the QB, and they just got to get everything else up to par. And if that can happen, then uh, it'll be a monster win to start your season off with for either one of these programs. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. It's the sound you've waited months to hear. It's caused some of your greatest triumphs. Underneath Lattimore, touchdown, South Carolina. And your biggest heartbreak. What a hit! Ball's free! On the ground! South Carolina! Cloudy just says, I'll take care of business right here. It's the option at Georgia Tech. It's Howard's Rock. The smoke in Miami. What a start for the Gamecocks! And every Saturday, you tap that sign. The wait is over. College football is here. Folks, it's not williams Bryce Stadium, but this is the Weston Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Keep those texts coming, man. The food has got the line jumping, as always. The 704 number, though, said his best hangover meal is goodie powders and a fountain Coke. No <laughs> food. I'm with that uh, 100%. That's the most practical text we've gotten. I mean, we've had some food, but that one is the most practical. Big Cat Dan has been dropping them left and right. He says chicken and waffles from Metro Diner. And then he also brings up the fact of the KFC Double Down sandwich to which we were talking about during the break. Said it is still crazy to me. Chicken, cheese, <laughs> bacon, and chicken. Fried chicken, that is. LOL, greatest hangover food. Anything on the Waffle House menu. I never had the Double Down. But, uh, yeah, man, that was a wild sandwich, and I did look up the nutrition facts on it, and it is as bad as you'd think. Anybody that wrote the Double Down as the worst or the craziest fast food invention of all time is correct. Salesman wrote in. He said the Double Down, whatever that sandwich was that was a uh, KFC sandwich where they had the two pieces of fried chicken, then you had inside of it bacon and cheese. Yeah. I mean, that... That's ridiculous. <laughs> like, how in the world can you stomach what is a double down? I mean, they just decided, you know what? Forget the bread. It's not even substituting the bread with different bread, like the donut burger. <laughs> you just say, screw it. We're going two pieces of fried chicken. Let's put cheese and bacon in there and serve it up to the people. Yeah, man. I mean, to me, it's a double down on your quest for death. But uh, 704-989 number says KFC's donut chicken sandwich. So KFC... Uh, hitting the line, and then a 704 
207 number said, for us Latinos, we eat egg soup to feel better or just keep drinking and you will never have a hangover. That's the other thing, too, that people say when you get a hangover is yeah. like, keep drinking. That only happens on beach trips for me. Yeah, that, that's another one where it's like I can't wrap my mind on wanting to drink more. I mean, if, uh, when if I'm feeling really bad. Well, speaking of sales, man, if you have one of those diet beers, maybe you get like a bush light or something, and then you've got a little bit of a hangover, but you're at the beach, you still need to keep rolling, especially if you're in your 20s, per se, not from experience, just from what I've heard from friends and et cetera, then you might just want to go crack one open and help yourself out that day. All right. So talking about the South Carolina Gamecocks and their offense from last season, four starters return led by quarterback Spencer Rattler. And when you want to look at what they did last season, their scoring offense in the SEC, they averaged 32 points a game. Their rushing offense was 12th in the SEC. Their passing offense was 6th in the SEC. Their pass efficiency rating was also 6th in the, in the SEC. Their third down offense was 10th. Their third down percentage-wise was 10th in the SEC. And in total offense, when you're talking about yards, they were 9th in the SEC. So in comes offensive coordinator Dowell Loggins. He is a first-year coach at South Carolina, spent the past two seasons as the tight ends coach at Arkansas. 16 years in the NFL, he spent with six different organizations, primarily as a quarterback's coach, including seven seasons as an offensive coordinator, and he also walked on at Arkansas where he became a four-year letter winner. But when you get to the personnel, this all, the personnel of this offense, led by Spencer Rattler, as I said, in his second year in Columbia, he threw for more than 3,000 yards, but he had over 1,000 in the final three contests. Then they've got behind him Luke Doty as the backup quarterback. He's the backup with the most game experience. The running back room for the Gamecocks may be the thinnest on the squad. Only four scholarship players came as fall camp opened for them. And junior Juju McDowell is going to lead that group as he had the most regular snaps in the backfield last season. But the receiving core offers a little bit of hope. Wide receiver Antoine Juice Wells Jr. is one of the best receivers, could be the best receiver in the SEC. Had 68 catches, 928 yards a season ago. But the offensive line, that's going to be a point of emphasis for this group because first-year offensive line coach Lonnie Teasley will be challenged to put a front together that lost three players who combined for 120 four stars. They had some injuries going on, so there are going to be a lot of new faces up front for the Gamecocks in the offense that wasn't very explosive, but did get it together at the end of the year. All right, so here we are talking about another offensive coordinator change going from Satterfield to now Dow Loggins, who has a lot of NFL experience. So this is someone coming in from an entirely different background. It's not like we can go back to what Dow Loggins has, this extensive college football play calling history. He has a lot of extensive history within the NFL. So are you going to run what is kind of an NFL offense here with South Carolina? I know a lot of people are happy that you're moving on from Satterfield. And this is what Loggins talks about, running four vertical. So you got four wide receivers out there. He says a lot of college football teams do that. But South Carolina is going to be doing it. My thing is... Wes, it looks like they're going to be throwing the football quite a bit. 
and it's going to make for an exciting offense as long as Spencer Rattler can be that dude that he was in the last two games where he beat Tennessee and you also beat Clemson because he was a much better quarterback in those final two games. The confidence has to come along with it. Good news for South Carolina fans. He joined the Zach Gelb show and said, my confidence is at an all-time high. Yeah, I'm confident as ever right now. Um, You know, it comes from our our coaching staff, what they've been doing with us this offseason, you know, how we're looking as a group. You know, I'm confident not just me, but but our whole group. You know, I want us to be one of the most explosive offenses in the country. So um, that's going to be our plan moving forward this year. At the end of the year, Spencer, how do you hope we're talking about you and and the program? You know, um, everything will take care of itself. I like to say, you know, if if we all – succeed as a team everybody will have their own personal success so i think that's what's so special about you know this program is we care about winning number one overall and and, and turning this program around like we, we've been doing and if we take care of that everybody's personal goals will fall in line do you think a perception was changed anywhere in the college football landscape more than the perception that changed around Spencer Rattler in the South Carolina offense based off of just two games. Oh, no doubt about it. I mean, a lot of people coming out of high school, you talk about pedigree. Another show that you guys haven't watched on Netflix, QB1, Spencer Rattler was a part of that, and you got to see just that he was special coming out of high school. He definitely had some uh, some some personality quirks that kind of got him in a little bit of trouble. But uh, other than that, that this is a kid that coming out of high school was the number one quarterback in his class. A lot of people thought that he was going to be a three-and-done player, going to be a first-round pick, maybe even a number one overall pick. So he came to South Carolina with a little bit of redemption on his mind. And so saying that to say that during the better part of the season, you still didn't see it because this was a guy that was coming in as a Heisman Trophy candidate that year in Oklahoma, lost his job to Caleb Williams, and then he comes over to South Carolina, and a lot of people were still kind of expecting big things. You don't see it yet. You start to worry about what's going on, and then at the end of the season, you really start to see it going into Death Valley, getting a big win, beating the Tennessee Volunteers, but he's going to need to be at his best, and this offensive line, when you talk about all the experience that they lost, they're going to be tested early because they have games against North Carolina, which defensively the Tar Heels We'll see if they offer uh, more opposition than they did last year. You get a break at Furman, but then you got the Bulldogs of Georgia, Mississippi State, Tennessee, uh, all in that first part of the season. And so Spencer Rattler is going to need to be at his best with a thin running back room, with an offensive line that's going to be lacking experience, uh, only four starters returning. So, yeah, this is, it's going to be a challenge uh, for this offense to get on track to start the season. Now, we've talked about OC-QB relationships all across the offseason because I think that's the main storyline in the local area. I mean, think about how many differences you have at play calling. So, Clemson, South Carolina, NC State, North Carolina. Here we are with monster changes at offensive coordinator. So, with the Gamecocks being no different, Dal Loggins took questions on his quarterback. He said that these receivers should be thrilled that Spencer Rattler is throwing them the football. He also said it's not a dictatorship, that it's a partnership between Dal Loggins and Spencer Rattler. Okay, so if that means that Rattler has the ability to check out of some plays... I would not feel nearly as confident in that as I would with Drake May and Chip Lindsey. Because here we are still talking about a pretty small sample size, albeit monster games, 
a pretty small sample size of seeing very good football from Rattler in a Gamecock uniform where every game except for the last month of the season for North Carolina was very good for Drake. And really, we don't put a lot of that on Drake. A little polarizing, but a lot of it was the offensive line issues. We know in Georgia Tech, it's Josh Downs that drops the touchdown pass, allowing the Yellow Jackets to pull off that upset. And so, yeah, there it seemed like there were a few more excuses going more towards Drake May. So now I wonder, do you feel comfortable if this is a partnership and Spencer Rattler Rattler has a decent amount of say in how the offense rolls, or is there a big old difference between them and Drake May saying, no, I don't feel nearly as comfortable as I do with the May-Lindsay relationship? Yeah, I mean, it's just going to be that that's the conundrum a lot of these coaches run into uh, with some of these prospects, and I think with Spencer Rattler, though, when you look at him as a player, I mean, the football IQ, I feel like he's one of those guys that's going to do better in the classroom than necessarily on the field because uh, when you watch him and you see some of the more lifestyle type of content that he's had out there, he comes across as a super sharp quarterback as far as what to do. I remember uh, with his high school team when he was out, um, I think he got he got suspended, but he was coaching his backup, man, and you could tell that he really knows the game, so he's a guy that you don't feel terribly uh, about giving a little bit of freedom to, but still the 18 to 12 touchdown to interception ratio still tells me that the offensive coordinator still needs to make most of the decisions uh, in this offense. But who knows? Like I said, this is a guy who came to South Carolina to rehabilitate himself, rehabilitate his image. And you're talking about one of the players in the college football that I feel like has the most to gain this season is Spencer Rattler. If he can come out this season and be dominant, like a lot of people thought he was going to be going to Oklahoma, this is a guy that could maybe, just maybe play himself not quite up to the lofty uh, perch that he was once on, but could maybe find himself creeping into the first round, second round of the NFL draft. Yeah, well, and, and again, here we are talking about the NFL, that connection between Dow Loggins and the NFL. We do have a little bit of work from Loggins with Arkansas. That was his previous stop before that. That's when you're talking about. 15 years coaching in the National Football League with Chicago, with Tennessee for a little while. You are talking about some success that he was able to get out of um, a Chris Johnson in Tennessee, even a Kendall Wright, a couple of a thousand thousand yard producers for Tennessee at a time where they didn't have a lot of that in their franchise's history, at least in one year. And so that's a good thing that you can point to. But you ask a tight end that also comes alongside Dow Loggins from Arkansas to the South Carolina squad. He said they do a great job of just spreading the ball around. And so we'll see if that's something um, that South Carolina is able to do. Find the open man. doesn't matter. You don't have to key in on one specific guy. And you mentioned the offensive line. We'll see how... Uh, upright, they're allowing Spencer Rattler to feel and comfortable how he's uh, how comfortable they're allowing him to feel. Yeah, no doubt. And he's going to have to break in more receivers. So this will really be a triumphant year for him because outside of Wells, who we talked about could be the SEC's best receiver, Amari and Brown, only 188 yards, no touchdowns uh, for him. And so that's going to be your number two or three receiver. So not a lot of experience uh, with these players on the outside for Spencer Rattler. And then they go out and they get an Eddie Lewis from Memphis to come in as well. And this is a guy that they're going to expect to contribute as well after having 41 catches and seven touchdowns in 2022 uh, at the University of Memphis. So he should be able to come in there and give them some help uh, out there on the Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. 
All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Gene Sapikoff of the Charleston Post and Courier joins us right now to talk a little more South Carolina. Gene, thank you so much for the time, man. How are you? Thanks for having me, guys. Looking forward to this uh, shootout we're going to have Saturday night. Oh, you say shootout. How much defense do you think is going to be played between the Gamecocks and the Tar Heels in this one? I think there could be some turnovers in which the defense scores, but (laughs) otherwise uh, I think it's going to be kind of a show with uh, Drake May and Spencer Rattler, and I don't know. I mean, whatever the over is, I might go over that. Well, I think it's like 64 it's it's a lot. And so here's my thing with the quarterback play, right? Because plenty of eyeballs are going to be not only on Drake May, but even Spencer Rattler ended the season in a phenomenal fashion, especially the regular season, throwing for over 360 yards against Tennessee and against Clemson, 400 yards against Tennessee the week prior to Clemson. With Spencer, do you think we're going to get more consistency from this year uh, from him this year? And if so, do you think that's going to be in the form of, you know, actually getting over 250 yards passing per game and uh, in this new offense under Dale Loggins? Uh, it's going to be fascinating, guys, because you look at those last three games, Tennessee, Clemson, and the bowl game against Notre Dame that, you know, it was a close loss for South Carolina. Spencer Rattler was really just lights out in that Tennessee game, in which he was, of course, ridiculous. Six touchdown passes, almost played a perfect game. But he had two very big turnovers against Clemson, and he is definitely not the reason they won that game. Kind of was spotty against Notre Dame. Of course, he didn't have a lot of his cast with so many guys opting out of that game. But here's the weird thing with the Dow Loggins offense is I've never heard of more collaboration between an offensive coordinator and a quarterback. I mean, Spencer Rattler says he has lots of leeway to change things at the line of scrimmage, and I think that comes from Loggins having coached in the NFL and worked with QBs that way. But that's going to be an interesting dynamic to watch. How much does Rattler change at the line of scrimmage against the Tar Heels? Gene Sapikoff joins us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. You can follow him on Twitter at Sapikoff. And so when you look at Spencer Rattler, we know the story. We know the road he took to get to South Carolina. But what have you seen from him just as far as his maturity? Is this a guy that's still hungry to get back into the first round of the NFL draft? Where do you feel like Spencer's headspace is as we enter this season? That's a great question, and I think he's very focused, very, very uh, leadership focused, and he's got this is his team for sure. I, I think the players, the Gamecocks said it was his team last year, but until that last month, it just really wasn't. There were just too many things going on. So he wants to play in the NFL. He wants to play in the NFL next year, and I think there's a lot of incentive here. And he really believes in this offense. And while there's lots of experience at the skill positions, I think there's some more depth than people probably think. And so when you turn it over and look at this defense under Clayton White in South Carolina, they had a lot of holes to fill. But is Tonka Hemingway and Nick Emanwari just two really good building blocks for this defense? And how good do you think that they can be this year? I know you think they're going to give up a lot of points to North Carolina, but could they eventually start to get this thing together based off the talent you feel like that they may or may not have? 
Great question. I think it's going to be when is that eventually happen? Does it happen in the second half against North Carolina or sometime after they play Georgia on September 16th? I think the key against Drake May and against any really good quarterback is that up-the-middle push from, as you said, Tonka Hemingway, but also Boogie Huntley and the linebacker group, which is very rebuilt with Stone Blanton in there as a starter, Mo Caba coming off a serious injury from last year. So up-the-middle push and just Stopping that Tar Heel running game. It'll be interesting to see what Chip Lindsey does with that. So, yeah, that's uh, going to be hard to say when that defense will come together because they have some very big holes to fill. It's not just losing uh, guys like Zach Pickens and Cam Smith and Darius Rush to the NFL. It's losing Jordan Birch to the Oregon Ducks and, um, you know, guys like that that were transfers that's really going really gonna to hurt. All right, so here we are talking about the running game for North Carolina. How do you feel the running game is going to play out for South Carolina this year? And also, Gene, the offensive line. You know, What kind of legitimate worries are there, especially on the interior? Uh, as far as the running game, wow, that's going to be the biggest question mark this season. You have to carry on Joyner in his sixth year, who has gone from wide receiver to quarterback. Tar Heels remember that all too well from the Duke Mayo Bowl. That was his first start at quarterback in the MVP of the game in a 38-21 South Carolina win. But now he's a running back, kind of an undersized guy, not real big. And he takes the punishment between the tackles. We'll see because Juju McDowell, the other primary running back, isn't a very big guy either. So what are they going to do there? Um, besides that, though, I mean, I think they get that ball out really fast to the likes of Nick Harbour, a, a freshman receiver that's their top recruit, and just try to kind of Keep the Tar Heels guessing. When you look at this schedule, Gene, and this North Carolina matchup, it is huge nonetheless, but there are other big games on this schedule as well. Is this the most pivotal game for South Carolina, this opener against North Carolina, or what do you see as the most pivotal game on their schedule? It's a big game because essentially replaces Georgia State on the schedule, not just that that was the opener last year, but just the way the non-conference opponent situation falls out. And that was a nice win. So if they were to lose this game, you're already, you know, one over par and go into last year's eight and five schedule. But I think the four key games are the four point spread upsets they pulled last year against Tennessee, Clemson, Texas A&M and Kentucky. Um, they're going to need to get a couple of wins in there, or they're going to have to make up, somewhere else and i don't know where they find that on the schedule because it's pretty tough so i think again that four large point spread upsets especially tennessee and clemson but also kentucky and texas a&m they beat them last year and uh, those are all going to be tough tough games this year life is so much more than a diagnosis it's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy all hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. It's the sound you've waited months to hear. It's caused some of your greatest triumphs. Underneath Lattimore, biggest heartbreak. What a hit! Ball's free! On the ground! South Carolina! Cloudy just says, I'll take care of business right here. It's the option at Georgia Tech. 
It's Howard's Rock. The Smoke in Miami. What a start for the Gamecocks! And every Saturday, you tap that sign. The wait is over. College football is here. The South Carolina Gamecocks and this defense, they return four starters led by safety Nick Emanwari and defensive tackle Tonka Hemingway. You talk about all-name team right there. Tonka, man, were you a Tonka truck guy? I was not as much yeah, of a Tonka neither. truck guy. Yeah, I actually grew up playing with a lot of John Deere tractor, Lincoln Logs type stuff, Legos. Those were a couple of the toys that come to mind. Not the biggest Tonka truck. Well, I'll tell you what. Teams were running through South Carolina like a Tonka truck last year. When you talk about some of the rushing yards that they allow, when we talk about their SEC ranks last season in scoring defense, they were 10th in the country. Rushing defense, 13th. Oh, I'm sorry, 10th in the SEC. Rushing defense, 13th in the SEC. Pass defense, they were 5th. Pass efficiency defense, 7th. Third down defense, they were 12th. When you talk about third down percentage, Total defense, they were tense. So safe to say they definitely need some reinforcements to come in and improve what they once had because last season they allowed 200 yards or more seven times, especially on the road. They definitely gave up a lot of runs, a lot of running backs looking like Tonka trucks as they <laughs> ran through that defense. They run a 4-2-5 scheme. And as we said, they've got some players coming back with Nick Emanwari, who was the Gamecocks' leading tackler last season with 85 stops that he had on the season. And so this unit, man, they've got a lot of fresh faces that are going to be coming up. They lost NFL draft pick Zach Pickens on the interior defensive line. Tonka Hemingway, as we talked about, he had eight tackles for loss and four sacks a year ago. They're also going to get back Jordan Strahan, who's coming back for his seventh year after an injury play career, only played in two games in 2022 before he got a season-ending ACL injury. And just a couple of seasons ago in 2020, he had 10 and a half sacks while he was at Georgia State. Terrell Dawkins also on the edge expected to contribute. The linebackers is also a unit uh, that needs to get better. If Muhammad Kaba is able to get back to full strength, he suffered an ACL injury in the second game of last year. This is a guy that they are going to be counting on a lot. The secondary, we told you about him and Worry. And so they also have to fill in that cornerback position where defensive back coach Torian Gray has to replace Cam Smith and Darius Rush. Both of these guys were NFL caliber players. So South Carolina has a lot of work to do when you talk about parts that they have to fill in the blanks. But uh, this is a unit that's definitely not quite as bad as the Tar Heels, but a unit that definitely needs some help and ASAP. Well, I mean, I, I think they have, I think they're similar to North Carolina in the sense that there's a big weakness where, well, North Carolina's weakness is getting after the passer. They were bad all around, okay? But they were really bad at getting after the passer. South Carolina just wasn't good at stopping the run, as you mentioned. I actually am okay with their pass defense, especially when it comes to the secondary. If their defensive line can get after the quarterback this year, the secondary, I expect to be pretty good this season with some of the players that you mentioned. But can they be good enough against the run to the point where, or yeah, can they be good enough against the run where they can actually take advantage of what is, I think, a talented defensive backfield? Because you're talking about young guys, too. 
right? Like you're talking about freshmen that were contributing in the defensive backfield last year. So another year under the belt, you would expect them to grow and learn from everything that took place last season. So can they take advantage of good safety and cornerback play because they don't just get ran all over like they did last season? That was the big problem. And that's the thing with pass defense or run defense. It can always be a bit skewed because if I'm running for over 200 yards on a defense, right. then hell, I'm not going to want to throw the ball as much. But uh, this is the secondary, like I said, that will greatly benefit from better play up front. It's plain and simple. Well, what's crazy, though, is, yes, right? Like, we have to take into effect that teams are going to run against them because they are so bad against the run. But even still, even with the limited amount of pass possessions or throws that the opposing offense would have, the Gamecocks were still one of the better turnover teams out there as far as from a, uh, as far as you consider a defensive standpoint. Only 12 teams had more interceptions than the Gamecocks. I think that says a lot. So if you run against a team a ton because they're not very good at it, and that means you have limited pass possessions, and in those possessions, there's only 12 teams in all of college football that has more interceptions than you do. I think that does go to show, yeah, the passing defense, the secondary, it's totally legit. Now it's all about making the quarterback feel under pressure and stopping the run enough to where they have to throw it. You get them in third and long situations, even just more throwing downs. Can you get them in more throwing downs to take advantage of all that talent that you have on the back end? Yeah, and so when you look at this unit as well, they're going to be tested early and often when you talk about this South Carolina defense. And whether you talk about the quarterback position or the running back position, this is a crew that's going to have to be on the lookout. You start the season out with Drake May and the North Carolina offense. And even though they didn't have necessarily a superstar special back, they were still pretty adept at running the football sixth in the ACC in that Drake May's also a threat to run the ball as well. Then you look at them playing Georgia as their third game of the season. We know what the Bulldogs bring to the table on top of Carson Beck looking like a prospect that a lot of people are saying is going to be maybe a first-round caliber, second-round caliber player. Then the Florida Gators uh, come up in that schedule down the line. When you talk about a running game, Trevor Etienne looks like he's beginning to become a star. The Tennessee offense, we know the big plays that they represent. And then Mississippi State, we know that's always going to be a team that is going to challenge. So this South Carolina defense, they're going to have to get this thing going and get it going quick because they are going to be tested early by some pretty potent offenses. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about what is going to be a really tough schedule right off of the bat. And even even in week one, look, maybe North Carolina's offense isn't going to be as good as last year. That that perhaps is a thing because you lose a Josh Downs and you might not even have Walker this game, which is really unfortunate. We still don't have a ruling on what's going to take place there with the wide receiver. You expected them to make a big impact this season. Even so, you're never going to feel comfortable going up against Drake May, who is widely regarded as the second best QB in all of college football. So there's only one QB you'd rather not face. Only one in the entire country, and he's all the way over there at USC, the real USC, you might say, at Southern California. I am interested in this game week one because it is going to say a lot about North Carolina's defense and South Carolina's defense a lot. In fact, Michael Felder talked about it on the Kyle Bailey Show discussing what this game in Charlotte will come down to. The key for me in this football game is uh, what does it look like on defense? You got Tamari Fox. I don't know what that's going to look like for, for North Carolina. I, I truly have no idea what to expect out of this North Carolina defense outside of Power Eccles. And 
it seems like he's a guy trying to put his finger in every hole in the boat. And when you're doing that, that means you're not just doing your job. You're doing other people's job. Makes it really hard to play football. Wow, I'm uh, surprised he did not uh, highlight Cedric Gray there as well. But uh, this is going to be a game of which defense will step up because we know that as far as the quarterback position, I think North Carolina is a little more equipped offensively as far as some of the weapons that they have. But Spencer Rattler and Drake May, if they both come with their A games, it's going to come down to which defense can get them more possessions. Uh, South Carolina, it, it, this is a toss-up defensively. The only known commodities in this football game is going to be Power Echoes and Cedric Gray because South Carolina as well, so many new parts. Tonka Hemingway, he's a productive player, but not a dominant player to this point. So, Ooh, which defense is going to come to play? Right. I mean, the the theme for me, it's the defensive backs are really talented, even losing them, right? Like that doesn't even take into effect for South Carolina that you lose Cam Smith and Darius Rush, who we talked about, even if he got cut from Indianapolis, still a productive college player. And people are saying, hey, maybe the Panthers should pay attention to Darius Rush because you had two freshmen All-Americans and you even have Marcellus Dial, who people think is going to play a big role at the nickel and within the secondary. That's three guys in that backfield that you feel really good about. It's not even like you're asking a lot from this defensive line, right? I mean, it's very similar to North Carolina in that regard. Just be average. Hey, South Carolina against the run. Just be average. Yeah. And then our back-end guys can really take us the rest of the way. So not lofty expectations, not lofty asks for both of those units, but still it's going to come down to whether they can even be competent in a couple of different areas. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. It's the sound you've waited months to hear. It's caused some of your greatest triumphs. Biggest heartbreak. What a hit! Ball's free on the ground. South Carolina. Clowney just says, I'll take care of business right here. It's the option at Georgia Tech. It's Howard's Rock. The smoke in Miami. What a start for the Gamecocks! And every Saturday, you tap that sign. The wait is over. College football is here. WFNZ Team Week. It carries on. We talk about the South Carolina Gamecocks in 2023 predictions for their season. Hit us up on the text line 704-570-9610. Let's get right into it. First quarter of the schedule. Walk, I'll let you start it last time. I'm going to start it off this time. All righty. I've got the Gamecocks going two and two. Obviously, I picked North Carolina in our previous segment to beat them. So that's a nail for them. Furman, they'll get the win there. I think that's safe to say. 
Georgia Bulldogs on the road between the hedges. Come on now. We already know what that's going to look like. 3.30 matchup on CBS. That's an L. Mississippi State at home. I've got them getting the dub starting the season two and two. Two and two for South Carolina. Actually, a worse record than you had with North Carolina at the beginning. I'm surprised. Yeah, I I would love to do the thing that I've been doing this entire time and actually just like pick everybody to win and then pick South Carolina to beat North Carolina just an hour after I picked North Carolina to beat South Carolina. Yeah. But it can't happen that way. I got to actually, just for one day, I got to have it all mathematically be correct. Yes. So I'll have South Carolina lose this one. Okay. It's really hard, though. Uh, this one, it's as tough a game just going in week one. A lot of unknowns. It's going to it's gonna be very interesting. I have South Carolina losing. I have them bouncing back against Furman the second week. Of course, one and one to start. And then I have them losing to Georgia. So it makes sense, right? Two and two. It, Georgia's going to be so tough. They've pulled off upsets against Georgia before. They have. Not even all that long I ago. I was that one way back when. So, so they've done it before. In Georgia? Nah, I can't see it happening, even at the beginning portion of the season where the Bulldogs might be trying to figure some stuff out as they transition, but we've seen them reload before. I expect them to do it again. I'm with you, Wes. Two and two. They lose to North Carolina. They beat Furman. They lose to Georgia. They beat Mississippi State. And it's not like that schedule gets any easier. Welcome to life in the SEC. All right. So now when we go to the second quarter of the schedule at Tennessee and Knoxville, I think they take an L. Against the Florida Gators at home. Again, we talked about Graham Mertz at quarterback. Not sure I'm feeling him too much. Yes, South Carolina has a lot of holes to fill on defense, but I think at home they should be able to take care of business against the Gators, who I don't think will be uh, better than South Carolina. Then they go on the road to Missouri. Just of how I feel about Eli Drinkwitz, I'm giving them the win there. Okay, I think they go to Missouri. Plus, Missouri's not that fantastic, so I've got them winning there. And then going to Texas A&M, this is an intriguing squad. A lot of the people wonder, are they going to be able to finally get on track under Jimbo Fisher? Maybe this year because they're being uh, put down lower. They're starting the season 23rd and not with lofty expectations that maybe they can go in reverse. But in this case, I think they beat the South Carolina Gamecocks. I've got them 2-2 two and two through this juncture yeah, of the schedule. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's tough. Look, South Carolina has enough in my opinion, to be able to pull off an upset, okay? And so it's really tough to try to figure out where it's going to happen. North Carolina, I guess the line, what's the line on that game? It's like three and a half North Carolina favor. Is that right, Fitty? I think it was two and a half okay. the last I saw. It's been moving a little bit, but I've seen it at right around a field goal with North Carolina the favorite. It's not really an underdog loss, though, in my opinion. So it's just kind of a 50-50. Then you go to Georgia and Tennessee. Tennessee and Georgia both going to be the favorites, but I could see South Carolina going to Tennessee, especially a little bit earlier into the season and beating them, but I don't have enough guts to call it. I love Joe Milton. I I mean, I can't wait. I want him with all of the arm strength. I want him to perform to his ceiling. It would be so fun. I think Tennessee in that offense, even changing quarterbacks, I think they win. Give me Tennessee to start it off and South Carolina to fall to a two and three record. I think they beat Florida. Don't have any faith. Don't have any faith in Florida. So give me South Carolina to beat the Gators. Sorry, Willie P. Even on the road and despite some good football from Missouri recently, I think South Carolina wins that game on the road. And you know what? Even against Texas A&M, 
Give me the Gamecocks in that game as well. Ooh. I think South Carolina is going to be able to win that game. Texas A&M, this is what we do, right? Well, like, anyway, we is think, that game in Columbia or is it in no, College Station? It's in College Station. It's in College Station. What do we do with That's South- why I picked Texas A&M. Yeah, App State got to beat. The, like, Texas A&M, we've done this with Jimbo Fisher a couple of times now. This is going to be the year. In fact, there's a lot of pressure for Jimbo. Maybe you view that as this is the time they figure it all out. But the coaching staff is hilarious that they have. Bobby Petrino, Steve Adazio, Durkin. It's like the all, ooh, you're a little dirty coaching staff right. squad. <laughs> so there's so much pressure there right now. And I think they have too many cooks in the kitchen. Like, we know Jimbo Fisher wants to control his team. But now you got so many other head coaches that also love to control their team. I ain't buying it with AM. I think South Carolina, they go 3-1 and one to move to what is a 5 Five and three record in the first two thirds of the season. But you're not feeling that you had a you had a, a stank face for well, me. Well, no, I mean I just they've only beaten A and M once since A and M joined the SEC, and I think that was was it last year I believe is when it happened. So you know, and then I mean like I I'm a because of Johnny Manziel, I've always been an A and M defender. So like, and it's hard to it's it's hard to go there and win. Uh huh. And so like, that's why I was just pushing back. If the game was in Columbia, I would probably say I'm with you. Same way. But you know, them going there, it's 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 a really difficult place to win. It is. Um. And look, even David Hale in his rankings, he says he there Texas A&M is in tier four. Forget everything you saw last season. There's five teams in that category. Florida and A&M are in that category. Two of which South Carolina plays. I can't. I can't forget it. I'm sorry, David. I'm going South Carolina for both of those victories. All right. And so we get to the bottom end of the schedule. Jacksonville State. I mean, come on now. We think they should be able to get that done. Vanderbilt. think they should be able to get that done at home. Kentucky. No more Will Levis. I do like what Mark Stoops is doing for that program. But I think at home, they have a very advantageous schedule to end the season. Kentucky, I've got them winning that one. And then, of course, if you remember before, when I talked about Clemson season, I have South Carolina beating them at South Carolina. So I have them finishing the season 4-0 and to finish 8-4 and on the year. Yeah, I have them beating Jacksonville State. I have them beating Vanderbilt. Now, Kentucky, this is the biggest opponent that they struggle with, right? Like, doesn't Kentucky have an excellent record against South Carolina? I think that historically has been going to the Wildcats, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong on that. But Kentucky is going to be the one that's really hard. And so I think Kentucky might be one of the games that they miss uh, miss out on at the end of the season. So that one's tough. Yeah, coming into last season, South Carolina leads the all-time series 19-14-1. And that was coming into last season. I wonder if that has changed recently or whatever. Kentucky's tough. God. I have them losing, even if it's even if it's at home, and I have them losing two straight at home. Kentucky, Clemson. I think Clemson's going to win that game. I don't think South Carolina gets it done two years in a row. So at that point, I would have them go seven and five, going bowling, okay. but seven and five record for South Carolina. All right, eight and four. Very and mistaken on Kentucky. So I guess it's the opposite. Okay, yeah, so it's nineteen fourteen. They beat them last year, so they're twenty fourteen and one all time versus Kentucky. Gotcha. But, but since 2014, Kentucky is 7-2 and two against the Gamecocks. Thank you. I knew there was something like that. Okay. That's what I thought. I think South Carolina, It's I've got Kentucky winning, but I, th- I thought that, was, uh, that it was Kentucky that would beat South Carolina quite a bit here recently. What do you think is the key game on this schedule, though, when you when you look at it? What's the game you feel like they could make or break this season, especially at 7-5 and five for you? So there are definitely some 
games yeah. in there that are huge. Well, I, I mean, think that Texas A&M game, when you look at that, I think that's a that's a biggie, especially according to how you have it going. Well, I mean, SEC, there's going to be there's a, so many to choose from, right? So you have three out of four games on the road in the middle portion of your season. It starts with Tennessee on the road, Florida at home, and then Missouri and Texas A&M on the road with Missouri doing some nice things. Remember, they took Georgia to the finish line last year, and then even Texas A&M, if we are supposed to forget everything we saw, we know at least they'll have some talent and they have a coach that's done it before. You could honestly make your pick there. I like the Texas A&M game to be a real pivotal moment. And then we can even get to that Wildcat game. I had such a hard time deciding. You have Clemson a week after that game. So if you're talking about, even with what is a tough SEC, Kentucky, you're going to be bowl eligible, in my opinion, already with Jacksonville State and Vanderbilt to provide a nice cushion for you before you get to Kentucky. But still, you want to end on a high note, and it would be tough to lose two straight games to end your regular season. So I even think Kentucky is going to be a pivotal one before you reach the rivalry contest against Clemson. Yeah, I look at the the second portion of that schedule is the one where I'm looking at how much of a pound of flesh will be taken from you uh, during that stretch. Because when you look at it, you go Tennessee, Florida, coming off the heels of playing Georgia, Mississippi State. Uh, then you have to go Tennessee, Florida, Missouri, Texas A&M, both of those games on the road. And then, in fact, Tennessee is on the road as well. You know, the SEC, very, very physical football conference. So I'm just looking at that that second stretch of games from Tennessee to Texas A&M. That's going to be huge for them because I feel like the Florida game and the Missouri game are going to be uh, huge games for them in the grand scheme of things as far as the games that they need to get. Uh, we talked about their recent lack of success against Kentucky. Clemson also, that's a 50-50 game, even though I've got South Carolina getting that one. But I think that Florida-Missouri stretch, Texas A&M, that's going to be a yeah. huge, huge... The middle, right. It, it's yeah. right there and there and then. And, and you talk about South Carolina for me, Wes. I think that was the hardest one to get a grip on with this entire schedule because it's so tough. You mentioned Clemson being 50-50. I actually think that's one of the easier games for me to choose. Not that South Carolina's bad, but I feel good about what Clemson's going to do. I thought there were a lot of other 50-50 games. Like, I, I just, you know, I kind of passed over Florida despite having a change at QB. Anthony Richardson, despite the prospect, not being great last year. A&M, we've discussed them. I, there are so many 50-50 games right there. It's tough. I mean, even they start off with one. North Carolina did. South Carolina, obviously, those two teams playing against one another. That one's a really tough game to call. So this schedule was the hardest one for me to choose this entire team week session. Yeah, no doubt about it.